Welcome to Tea and Teaching, the educational podcast you can listen to in your tea break. I'm Mike Harrell, and as always, I'm here with Arthur Moore. Hi, Arthur. How are you? I'm really good, thanks, Mike. How are you doing today? Yeah, I'm excellent. The Olympics are going well. Some excellent viewing on TV. The weather's lovely, so life is good. I just saw you having a sip out of a mug. What are you having today? Well, our guest today is currently living in Miami. So the time difference, in order to make this work, Arthur, I've had to push myself well past the teaching bedtime. Uh, and it's nearly 11 p.m. at night here. So I'm on a very strong builder's tea trying to keep myself awake. I hope I'm not the only teacher in the world that goes to bed at like 9.30 every night, even in the holidays. Uh, Please don't laugh at me if I am the only teacher who does that. Uh, what are you drinking today? Um, I'm on a, just a nice fresh bit of green tea just to keep me level. It's a nice time in the afternoon where I don't want to get too buzzing because of the teacher bedtime, but also I want to be nice and chilled for our guests today. Um, any recommendations? What you've been watching? What you've been anything other than the Olympics this week, Mike? No, it's just consumed my life. <laughs> because we're only two hours different from Japan, I just get up in the morning and it's just what's on. And the thing that actually I've really enjoyed in the Olympics is the uh, multi-gender events. If you've seen this, the 4 by 400 meters multi-gender uh, relay, the uh, triathlon relay was amazing. And then they had the uh, team medley in the swimming. I don't know if you saw amazing. that. Two it was so two good. And you could just pick whatever order you want men and women to go in and it just highlighted the whole kind of different levels of performance and as a PE teacher I really geeked out on that and how different it is and gender and why that is and then um, the tactics um, of who you go for do you get people swimming their their quickest stroke or do you get people just regular so Adam Peaty obviously you get him on the breaststroke but who are like yeah I, I, I'd love to be in the team meeting beforehand it was fantastic it's really really uh, piqued my interest this week have you been up to anything any good podcasts you'd love a podcast I do love a podcast. I've started listening to Renegades on Spotify, which is basically just a sit down chat between the two legends that are the boss, Bruce Springsteen, and the film president, Barack Obama. And they're just talking about their their lives. And apparently they've become really good friends, which just what a room to be in. I'm just having my mate over, Bruce Springsteen. Oh, I'm just having my mate over, Barack Obama. What a life. Um, and they're just chatting about America, about society, about their lives. And it's brilliant. I'm a big fan of The Boss anyway. Um, and so just been listening to that and just two great voices just talking about their great stories. So I would highly recommend that's Renegades on Spotify. Yeah, they got much better voices for podcasting than we have, unfortunately. Have they? Yes, yeah. They <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, we're going to have a little break to go away, get a cup of tea, get a biscuit. Today's guest is someone called Alistair McCourt. He is a performance coach. Um, he is going to blow your mind while we're talking about how we can get ourselves and our students to adopt high performance mindsets. So go and get that kettle on and join us back here in a minute to speak to Alistair. Welcome back to Tea and Teaching. As we said before the break, we're joined today by Alistair McCaw. He is a four times best-selling uh, author, speaker, consultant, uh, mindset coach, all round uh, phenomenal person to follow on Twitter <laughs> if you're on that platform. Um, and we're very pleased to be joined by him today. Welcome, Alistair. Thanks so much, guys. It's good to be here. 
Thanks so much for taking time out of your incredibly busy schedule. Uh, we see you on Twitter jet setting. I don't know if it's as glamorous as it looks on Twitter, but uh, yeah, it looks lovely from our perspective. Um, for those people who don't know who you are, can you just give us a little introduction to kind of who you are, what you do and, and how you got into that as well? Yeah, sure. Well, um, as you mentioned there, I'm an author. Uh, I'm a speaker uh, predominantly on mindset, uh, team culture and leadership. Um, so, you know, I travel, I get to travel around the world, which I'm extremely lucky. I love, I love traveling. I love being out there. So obviously this, this past 15 months has been a massive challenge for me being um, pretty much in my office here. So luckily some things have been able to open up in the last few months. Hopefully it continues to, to stay like that. But for me, you know, people are my passion and, you know, seeing people face to face and, and feeling their energy is one of, one of the things I love to do. So it's been really challenging like it has been for all of us, but I, I get to travel to um, uh, organizations, companies, uh, sports teams, sports federations, schools, and talk on culture, leadership, and mindset. So, you know, I'm very, very lucky to do what I love to do. Um, you know, people always said, if you could choose anything you wanted to do, what would it be? And I said, I'm doing it. I'm, I'm doing my passion. Um, you know, one of the questions I ask a lot of people is, how do you define success? Because, you know, if I ask a question to a group of people, who wants to be successful? All the hands go up. And then I, say, I ask, uh, how do you define success, then maybe half of those hands will go up. So it's important to know. But success for me is waking up and doing what I love to do with who I, who I enjoy being with. It's as simple as that. And I get to do that. How did I get into it? Um, this goes back to my early days growing up in South Africa. I was a sports fanatic, played seven sports in schools. We were very lucky with the system in back in the 80s and 90s in South Africa, where sports was a, a very uh, held a very high uh, place. Um, if you were really good in sport, you would maybe be able to miss some uh, subjects at the end of the day to <laughs> to travel to to compete or whatever. So there was always an incentive there to get off early. Uh, academically, I wasn't the best, um, but one of the things I did learn very early was was a high work ethic. Um, uh, leadership qualities at a young age as well. I was usually the captain of, of my team and I think I'm thankful to my parents for, for that. Um, but yes, it started off in sports, got to compete for South Africa in five world championships in duathlon. Uh, that got my traveling uh, bug on. I worked in gyms, uh, fitness gyms to, um, uh, to finance my, my uh, athletic career enjoyed it and uh, got into personal training and from there it basically went into professional sports working with professional athletes and olympians and uh, probably about seven or eight years ago i transitioned more into leadership and culture yeah that sounds i, I teach math so you've already uh, beat me on the list of things that you do Asta. as long as you weren't skipping maths class absolutely fine with you skipping to go and do sport and i know mike who's a PE teacher would be like, yeah, miss all the classes you want. Don't worry about those. As long as you can run fast and far, you'll be absolutely fine. It, yeah, it, I think I think does... math was definitely not math was definitely not one of my stronger stronger subjects, <laughs> Arthur. But uh, definitely keeping score uh, was was my strength in sports. <laughs> it does bring us onto a really interesting segue. That actually, that little conversation after about missing academic subjects to go and do sport and that kind of different opinion in terms of what success looks like 
Um, and I know sometimes in education, we get this from different angles and uh, maybe the media more kind of see success as what are your grades? How did, you know, what the standard you're achieving um, as opposed to how are you developing your kind of your mindset, your personality, your resilience and skills like that. And I know as teachers, we've moved far more towards kind of we want to develop resilient students who are able to cope with situations like we're in now. Um, and there's, but there's always those two kind of pressures. Um, and you've kind of come from a, a performance background in terms of hit these numbers, hit these metrics in terms of fitness or performance. And you've kind of gone to the other side of it in terms of the mindset coaching. And, and where do you see those two aspects sitting, um, maybe particularly in education? Yeah, sure. I, you know, I think it's important to, to give a child, um, you know, uh, balance in, in life with regards to, um, you know, the importance of, of health, obviously, the importance of having a good education, the importance of developing the right behaviors, um, the right mindset, etc. And, you know, for, for me in a child's life, the most important people in a child's life are obviously their parents and the teachers, because that's what's forming them in their, their first, obviously, you know, 15, 17 years, whatever, whatever it may be. So, you know, that's the, that's the foundation. I'm very, very grateful that, um, you know, we were not brought up in, uh, with a lot of money. Uh, there was four brothers. I would have hand-me-down clothes from my brothers. Um, you know, I would never have a new, a new uh, football kit or a new cricket kit or, or anything that was always handed down from my brothers. But, you know, back then you didn't know that. Um, you know, we had to, we, we struggled, but, you know, those things I'm very, very thankful for uh, because those taught me resilience and those taught me grit. Now, obviously we know, and I've, I've worked in, in, in some schools as well, affluent schools where, you know, the children uh, are coming from very wealthy backgrounds and they don't, they don't have that kind of resilience or that type of grit of what it's like to struggle, for example. So, you know, it's, I, I always believe that we're, we're, uh, formed by our environment you know two of the biggest choices you can make in life are the people you surround yourself with and the environment that you choose to be in and you know our environments are very important to how we behave our environments are very important to how we see success just what you mentioned there just a little bit earlier uh, Mike is you know how we see success I believe um, you know our culture in, in terms of the country we're in you know America success is seen as an expensive car and a massive house and having maybe a second home, you know, that's success here. Success in Sweden or, or Holland is stability, is, you know, having a, 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 um, an average car that's reliable and, and you know, having the, the same house as the neighbors, for example, that's seen as success there. So, you know, we all, we all can see success very, very differently. And I, I believe it comes down to, to the environment that we're, we're brought in or brought up in. So when you're talking about kind of looking upon your own success, I've, I've heard you say a lot in your other podcasts about the importance of being reflective and being able to really self-reflect on the situations you're in. For, for especially people working in schools and teachers, we, we tend to have some, some tricky days. We come out of the school and we've, we've, we've had a really tough day um, or we're on the staff and when we're really struggling. If you were talking to a teacher or an educator, how what tools would you give them to to reflect upon their own success and and kind of how do they go about that process of really self-reflecting? 
Yeah, I, I believe self-reflection is one of the best ways of, of self-leadership. You know, we're, we're all leaders. Teachers are leaders. Coaches are leaders. Um, parents are, are leaders, for example. So it's, it's important, um, like you just said, that the big word is, is self-reflection or self-awareness. And that's how, how we improve. Now, I do these three simple things every evening is I ask myself three questions. What did I do well today? The second question is, what could I have done better today? And the third question is, who did I make better today? Because part of my, um, uh, my purpose and part of my vision in life is obviously to serve others. That's what leaders do. That's what teachers do. So those are three questions I ask myself. What did I do well today? Which obviously helps with my self-esteem, my confidence, because it's so easy for us to beat ourselves up over things we didn't do well. And we know that uh, you know a lot of kids have that 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 thing as well with perfection of always just trying to be, you know, perfect in ways which is which is not possible. And if that's just something I can just actually just uh, take a side road on is you know I think it's so important that children are taught uh, about the relationship with failure. Children are taught the relationship with perfection. Children are taught the relationship with why uh, certain behaviors. Uh, can be detrimental and why certain behaviors can, can help you be successful. I, I believe those are very, very important for a, a child to understand, especially the relationship with, with failure and behavior. And, you know, of course, we know the works of, of you know, Carol Dweck and so on with regards to growth mindset and so on and so forth. We didn't know that back in school in those days, you know, those were, but it's, when you really think about it, it is, it is obvious. We learn through our failures, et cetera. But getting back to your question there, Arthur, uh, Self-reflection is key. Um, you know, if you look at the Finnish, uh, the Finnish school system, and you, you guys will know this better than me, they have other teachers sit in on their lessons and critique them uh, or, or give feedback, if you like, for, for a better word, after the lessons on what they did well and what they didn't do well. So um, I, I think it's very important. There can be numerous ways you can do it. You can, you know, self-reflect yourself at the end of the day. You can ask uh, another a teacher or maybe there's coaches listening to this right now is ask another coach to sit in on your session and give you feedback. And the key to receiving feedback is to listen and not respond or argue, oh, yes, but I did it because of this is, is listen. If you're going to ask for feedback, listen. And that's a really good point. Feedback, something we've spoke before on the pod, Mike. I think that question of who did I make better is a really good question for teachers to ask themselves. Because so often, I know I did this when I was teaching in a classroom, I'd focus on the one student who was really struggling with the topic and I'd, I'd beat myself up about that one student not getting it. And I'd forget that the majority of the class had made some really good progress. Mike, is that something you've experienced in your role as kind of assistant head with teacher and learning of like, focusing on the positives rather than just saying that one pupil didn't make progress today it's really difficult isn't it i know teachers are very you could give them 10 positives and one negative and they would walk away just focused on the negative um and i'm sure alistair in kind of your line of work that the athletes and, and the people you now work with in terms of leadership are, are very similar and um, very self-critical but that that balance of those questions is really really important i think of like what did i do well what could i've got better at but who benefited who did i make better today um it kind of puts everything into context isn't it i, I did this really well okay i could have done that a little bit better but you know what i really really helped that person today um, and i think asking those questions to yourself is really really powerful but also i'm not sure we ask those questions to our students enough in schools 
I'm not sure if we, we ask those questions to them and get them to self-reflect and build those skills. Maybe when they're slightly older, maybe they're 17, 18, um, towards the end of their education journey, when we feel that they've got maybe the maturity for that. But I think it's definitely a skill we can get into our students younger in our schools. Alistair, when you say though you ask yourself those three questions, do you literally take a seat in a corner, brew yourself a cup of tea and ponder about it? Or do you, do you keep a journal? Do you write them down? Or do you have a specific way? Or doesn't it matter? Is it all dependent upon the individual? I've, I've you know, I talk about this in my book, Developing a Winning Attitude and Mindset, about um, those three questions as well. But I, I've developed the habit of, of two things. First thing in the morning and first thing before I, I go to bed. And the first thing in the morning is when I wake up, I think of two things I'm grateful for. So that's how I start my day. And uh, that's been a game changer for me. What I, what I basically did was wrote on a piece of, uh, it was a, a stick-it note, uh, gratitude. And I stuck it on my bedside lamp. So every morning I woke up, I, I saw the word gratitude. And before I got out of bed, I thought of two things I'm grateful for today. Could have been anything. The sun shining through the window, the fact I get to speak to you guys today, whatever, whatever it was. After around about 90 days, I developed the habit of I didn't need that reminder, that cue anymore. And now I wake up every morning and the first thing that comes to my head is gratitude. So that was, a, that was a one habit I ingrained. I actually call it the, the 99 rule. And again, I speak about it in my book is it takes 90 days to develop a habit, not 21 or 60, or maybe I'm just a slow learner, but it took me 90 days before it became habitual. I didn't have to think about it. Um, and then it takes just nine days to lose a habit, to, to go off, off a habit. Um, and then the second thing was, of course, what we just discussed there, those three things that, that uh, I reflect on at the end of the day. Now, I used to journal it, but now basically I, I get into bed and those are the, the, the last three things I think about before I go, go to sleep. And it's, very, it's a very, very quick process. You know, it's, it's maybe less than, than a minute, but at, you know, the important thing is that I'm doing it and it's, and it's become a habit. And that's, that's helped me a lot on, on my journey. I think there's some really good idea there for, for everyone listening. That's something we can all do um, to really help our mindset. I know as I used to get quite stressed when I went to bed, I wasn't stressed during the day, but when I turned off light, that's when I stressed. I just used to write down a post-it note, all the things that were on my head, my kind of to-do list. And I found just writing them down, just kind of, when you look at, oh, I've, everything on my to-do list is on a little post-it note. It can't be that bad. And then I'd fall asleep. So I think having post-it notes in every room is is a really good idea um mike is that something you think you could would bring into your own kind of life for want of a better word yeah definitely yeah i think anything that keeps your mindset and your attitude positive is only going to benefit those around you and um you know i think during the pandemic we've we've learned that self-care is kind of the first thing that you should do you know that the old uh, story of you know you put your own oxygen mask on before you support others um, and I think that if you can make sure you're in a, the best possible positive mindset uh, you can then help others around you um, but if your mindset's not in a good place then it it doesn't help anyone around you as well um, I think we should take a little break there Arthur um, people can go and get another biscuit for their cup of tea and then when we come back, we'll, we'll speak to Alistair a little bit more about winning attitudes and mindsets. So we'll speak to you after this break. 
Welcome back to Tea and Teaching. We're here with Alistair McCourt. Alistair, my next question would be, your, your fourth book is um, Developing a Winning Attitude and Mindset. What is a winning attitude and mindset and how can we develop it in the students we work with? Well, we could spend definitely a few hours just discussing <laughs> it, but basically it comes down to a choice. And regardless of what your circumstances are, what your, your background is, um, things that have happened to you in your life, for example, we get to choose our attitude every day. It's a little bit like, uh, you know, this, uh, Victor Frankl, for, for example, you know, he got to choose his, his attitude each day on waking up. So that's what it, that's what it comes down to. It comes down to um, things that we just discussed on, on how do we develop a, a better, a, a winning attitude and mindset is self-reflection, self-awareness. Um, you know, that's that middle question we spoke about what could I have done better today is a question that's not there to, to knock you down or, or, you know, break you down. It's more for you to realize maybe you could have spoken a little bit more politer to that person behind the, you know, in the supermarket today or whatever, where you just, you're aware of it. Um, and, and that's what helps you develop a, 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 you know, a winning attitude and mindset. Developing a winning attitude and mindset, of course, involves the environment you're in, the, the office you're in, the people that are surrounding you, the friends you choose. Uh, all these things contribute to you having a winning attitude and mindset. You know, there's a lot of people out there that are maybe not happy in, uh, in the job they're in or in the office they have. They might say it's very negative or it's very toxic, for example. Well, you know, we have a choice to move. Now, you can say, yes, it's very difficult locating the kids again, schools, um, moving, whatever it may be, but you know, you have a choice. Are you going to stay in that toxic environment and, and, and just put up with it? Or are you going to take that bigger step, for example? So, you know, there's a, there's a lot of ways and a lot of things we can talk about in developing a winning attitude and mindset. Of course, um, you know, we're talking about positivity, you know, a common question I get asked a lot is how do you become a more positive person? And basically, my first bit of advice on that is catch yourself, first of all, being negative. That is the, that is the path to you being more positive. So again, that big word we've spoken about, self-awareness, is uh, you know, catching yourself being, being negative or, or having thoughts that are maybe not helpful, for example, is catching yourself going, oh, hold on, that's not, what I want to, that's not how I want to think, and changing that with something positive. So that is one of the first uh, ways of becoming more positive. And as, as teachers, we also want to build, build these mindsets and positivities in our students. Do you have any advice for teachers who then want to kind of play that role in, in developing them students? What can teachers do to kind of help the students become those, those more positive uh, individuals? You know, I always, always like to say that the, the greatest example of leadership is your example um as as a as a person so you know are you bringing uh, a, a good attitude to the classroom are you bringing a, a positive um uh, attitude to to the classroom you know again you know teachers like anybody else we have good days we have bad days there's things going on at home there's you know it could be something in our relationships and now we have to go to school or we have to go to um um uh, the, the club or whatever it may be where, where you might be coaching and put on this everything's okay type of attitude. And, and that's, that's, those are the roles that we're in, for example. Um, you know, I always like to compare 
teaching, coaching, uh, management to being like a radio DJ in the morning. Now you've never switched on the radio in the morning and heard a, a DJ in a bad mood or, you know, he's very low energy. Now, you know, he has to bring, or she has to bring a great attitude and, and energy to that, uh, to that morning show, for example. And it's pretty much the same in, in, in teaching and coaching, but, you know, especially kids become a, re a reflection of, of us, our attitudes, our behaviors, because again, uh, the greatest form of leadership is is example. Now, I think that's a, a really interesting point of kind of demonstrating the the mindset that we want our students to have. They'll they'll kind of slowly learn that that's maybe a more positive thing. I know it's something I try to do when teaching maths is in a very specific example. If a student is is not getting a question right, really sitting down with them and getting them to try and identify what is the issue they're struggling with, and then once we pinpoint that issue, it's a much easier solution to um to kind of find i imagine again with sports people in coaching with p mike it's to look at the whole picture sometimes quite daunting to kind of how can i make my life successful that's a big question i i don't even know how to go about that but if i start to break down what i class as success then it's a much easier question to have mike in your kind of role as a as a lead when you have you we've spoke before about how teachers come to you what do you do when a teacher's having a, a negative day let's say what what do you do in that situation i think first of all identifying why they feel it's negative um so if they're saying i've just had a team meeting and no one's on board with this new idea well you know we, we've just spoke in our last podcast about the the need for dissent and it's about how you frame that then is it a negative that everyone's not on board with this or actually is it an opportunity to go and get lots of different voices and lots of different buy into that um and then just looking at the context in in that um sometimes in an emotive state we can feel that something is far more negative than than it actually is um so i, th I found a lot of a lot of leadership obviously my only context for leadership is, is school and sport but a lot of that is getting the right context and getting the right kind of angle to come at it with. You can see it and go, that's, that's really, really bad. And actually when someone goes, is it bad in the bigger scheme of things? And then actually, can you turn that, that negative situation into an opportunity for yourself? Um, and I think the best leaders I've worked with are people who are able to, to do that, to reframe it and then to, to push forward. And it takes different people, different amount of times um to do that i'm sure alistair you've, you've probably got a little bit more experience here than me but i've seen people kind of do it in five minutes and pick themselves up and go okay i'm good now i'll go and some people it takes them a day or two to kind of get work their mind around that situation and move on from it yeah absolutely i mean one person that comes to my mind uh, that, that was a great example for me is is my mother and you know i'll never forget you know i must have been maybe 10 or 11 years old my mom had spent all Sunday morning preparing a, a lunch for, for visitors that were coming around to the house. And, you know, she had prepared the, 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 the chicken, the, the roasted potatoes, the Yorkshire pudding, whatever it may, it may be. You know, we obviously uh, come from a British uh, background as well. And um, I think it was like 10 or 20 minutes before our, our visitors canceled. And my mom had gone to all this effort of preparing. Now she could have chosen to be 
upset, bitter, angry, disappointed. But all I remember her, her saying was, great, that's more, more for us. Let's, let's enjoy lunch. And that was, that, that's my mom's attitude was get on with it. You know, you spilled the milk, good, clean it up, get on with it. And, you know, that's, that's something that I've aspired to be like is that, yes, you can be in a bad mood, something could have happened, but okay, it's happened. Uh, what are we going to do about it? What's, what's the solution? And it's not always easy, of course, but, um, you know, that was, that was always a great example for me. Is there ever a time where it's important to kind of embrace the negativity, embrace the bad mood? I've, I've worked in schools before where I've heard teachers or head teachers say, I don't want to see students upset. Students should smile in the corridor. And I know I see this occasionally on Twitter and I'm not quite sure how I feel about that yet. So is there a time where it's, it's important to really understand that negative emotion and kind of embrace it sometimes? Absolutely. Now, if we'd have been having this conversation maybe five years ago, I probably would have disagreed with you and said, no, you know, you've, you've got to, you know, be, keep putting positivity out there all the time. No, you know, vulnerability is, is, is a big part of that as well, of, of feeling emotions, of feeling, of feeling negative. You know, a lot of people might, you know, I write books on positivity and so on and so forth. But, you know, if you were to spend a day with me, you might, you know, point out a few negative um, behaviors, for example, and you know I'm far from perfect. I get negative with myself. I get negative with other people on a daily basis. But again, that that thing of being self-aware of it, of okay, that's not the behavior you want you you want to be in. So it's it's human. I think the important thing is is when you are feeling in that mindset or that low energy or that negativity, if it is possible to distance yourself from others and just give yourself some time out. Um, you know, don't bring that energy into the classroom, don't bring that energy into the office, whatever it may be. I think that's, you know, that's an important thing, um, you know, than, you know, bringing a, a bad energy or, a, or negativity or maybe saying something that you, you might regret, for, for example. So, yeah, I think that's how I've learned to deal with it is, is maybe just know how I'm feeling and maybe step away from a, a situation or, or, or step outside for, for five minutes to get some fresh air, for example. So just simple little strategies. Yeah, it's, I think we I asked, Sorry, Mike, you go. Well, I was just going to say, you, you've probably seen it as a pastoral leader in a school as well, where with students, where they have a bad lesson and if they have an incident that happens, they have a falling out with a friend and they take that negativity from one lesson to another lesson to another lesson. And you just see this kind of gradual deterioration of, of behavior and of mindset through the day um, and how important it is to kind of step in quickly, intervene, give them some space away, reframe it and then go back in and, and kind of take on that when they're ready. Yeah, I've worked with pastoral leads who maybe say, well, that student needs to get to their next lesson. It's important they're in their next lesson in time where my mindset was always if they're not going into that lesson with the right mindset to learn, then there's no point in their being there. And also that then that's going to kind of not help the classroom environment. It's much more important for them to take two minutes. I always used to say, go over toilet, put some water on your face, have a glass of water. And quite often that's all we need as human beings. I, I was yesterday. I wasn't feeling great. I was having a couple of negative thoughts as I was kind of alluding to. And I kind of just went for a five minute walk and I felt so much better because I had time to reflect. Um, and I think what you've kept saying as is that important to be self-aware and acknowledge our feelings is only going to help us in the long term. 
Um, just before we kind of come to the end of our conversation, as I'm just thinking a lot of teachers, they're on their summer holidays, they're enjoying it. They're getting ready to go back in September, new year, new me and all that. Um, if there was one single thing you could say to our listeners to say, that's the one thing I would say, give that a go. What would be that that kind of single idea? And then they can go off and try and improve elsewhere. But what would be that one thing? I, I think, you know, something I saw a few years back was I visited a school in, in, in Scotland and the teacher had established standards for the classroom. So rules, if you like. And the most important one, one when she called, she called it, this is our positive place. And when you enter, when you enter our, our room, when you enter the classroom, this is our positive place. We have positive discussions. We have, um, you know, positive uh, behaviors, et cetera. And, you know, she was discussing with me after I'd, I'd sat in on the lesson that, you know, just by having that, that set that, that made her accountable as well, you know, so before she wanted to maybe raise her voice or, you know, whatever it is, be angry or whatever, then she would remember, hold on a second. The standard here is, you know, a, a positive place. So, you know, that was something that was really, that's really stuck with me as well as, you know, the, the energy, you know, everything in life is about energy, the energy you have, the energy you give, the energy you allow, what do you, what energy do you allow and not allow in, in your classroom, for example? So I think maybe that would be one thing. I think that's a great one. It's definitely something I'll try and bring into my education. Um, Alistair, thank you so much for your time. Um, been a really good conversation there and so many things to kind of our listeners to kind of take away, think about, uh, and then kind of go and put into action. If they want to learn more about you, what you do, your books, what's, where do they go and find this stuff out? Yeah, well, first of all, thanks so much for having me on. I mean, when, when I got the invitation, it was, uh, pretty, pretty easy to say yes. Uh, you know, teaching, coaching, uh, leadership those are all uh, things that are a passion uh, for me as well so thanks to you guys for the invitation um, yeah my, my books are all available on Amazon uh, worldwide and probably the easiest place to uh, get in touch with me is via my website alistairmccord.com or and as you guys mentioned at the beginning of this of the show um, on Twitter at Alistair McCall Welcome back to Tea and Teaching. Mike, what a chat that was. What a chat. I, I wanted to geek out so much as a PE teacher and speak to him about so many other things. Um, I might even start my own just sports podcast so I can have him on and just ask him everything I want to know as a sports performer, as a sports coach. Yeah. What a guy. It's a pity this is like, oh, it's supposed to be over a cup of tea because I could have literally done it over a free course meal. Um, and I think I'd still have things I want to ask him about. What what an interesting person um, with an interesting background and so much to learn from. Like I, I now want to go and read all his books. I love when we speak to people who don't necessarily come from just pure education backgrounds because they bring a different perspective into what we do as teachers. They, they've got that outside view, maybe without knowing the nuances of the ins and outs of a day-to-day -day job, but it's so interesting to take the perspective from outside and, and see how we can bring it into teaching and how we can kind of assimilate it into our world. No, absolutely. It's like when we were talking about the Amazon principles, there's like, there's some really interesting things to even just to discuss before we even talk about whether they're relevant or not, and then kind of bring them in. Um, what was your key takeaway from talking to Alistair? I absolutely love those three questions. Like 
I think if I remember rightly, because this the whole conversation, I've been sat here making notes. It's what what did you do well? What could you have done better? And who did you impact? Like who did you how did you make someone's day better, basically? Um, and I, I just started reflecting of like, how can we get those into education? How can we get those into students and getting students to do that regularly? Uh, but also how I start meetings. How often does someone come into your classroom or come into your office and the first thing you say to them is, you're right. It's so British, isn't it? Are you all right? Well, mate. And it, it's, it's not negative. It's not positive. So it's, it's very, are you all right? Uh, I remember a Canadian friend of mine used to say to me, yeah, why do I not look all right? Um, <laughs> and actually, maybe just starting meetings that I have with people. I have regular, you know, weekly meetings with the people I, I um, line manage. And just saying to them, right, talk to me about since we last met, what's gone really well? What's an area you're not as happy with? And who have you made a real impact on in that time since we last spoke? Um, and I think that's a really positive way to start a meeting and a really positive way to open a discussion, especially if someone's busy and a little bit stressed. I think it's a, a really powerful thing we can do. And I haven't quite got my head around how we can get students to do this more. Um, but that's definitely a, a one to take away and think about. What about yourself? For me, it was when he was talking about negativity. And it wasn't so much about not, not being negative and ignoring all those kinds of things. It was about acknowledging it in yourself. Like today, I was feeling negative about this. Today, I didn't do this very well. Today, I could have done that bad. And acknowledging that with your kind of self-awareness, which is something that's really tricky. And then you can talk or discuss about how we can make that a positive. How do we move towards a more positive mindset? Um, it's something we see in students a lot. We, we might say, I've seen staff say it like, oh, cheer up. And it's very hard to cheer up if we haven't identified why maybe we're feeling negative. Um, and that power of just catching it in yourself. If you say something or do something that's negative, catching yourself in it, just making a little mental note. And when he spoke about in the teacher who said in their classroom, it was a positive attitude. And I think we've all been in those classrooms. We've had those where you have that class where everyone comes in and everyone's in the right mindset to learn. And you do so much, so much work. And you make such progress where sometimes you sense it, don't you, as a teacher, where pupils are coming in the door and something's not right. Something's happened, whether it's in the lesson before or at lunchtime. And what we try and do it's is a windy like, day. Yeah, it's a windy day. A windy but, day. No, I have to meet my learning objective. So I'm going to ignore everything and we're just going to power through. Where sometimes going like, no, do you know what? This is a negative learning environment right now. What can we do to kind of move that? And I think that's that's something that's really powerful um, for all teachers, um, whether it's in your classroom, on an online learning class, in your tutoring sessions for me, or in a one-to-one -one meeting with another member of staff, just kind of acknowledging those moments of negativity. Um, but that's one takeaway in in many. Yeah, definitely. So really really powerful thing isn't it if you can get your mindset right and that doesn't mean that like you said you're not always going to be happy and, and buzzing and it just your mindset being right means identifying when you're being negative and why you're being negative and how to adjust that the impact that's going to have on everyone around you whether that's the students the staff your family 
it's so, so important to have that self-awareness. And I know we've spoken before about, you know, what's more important in terms of leadership and teaching? Is it IQ? Is it EQ? Um, you know, and, and that self-reflection uh, is, for me, the one thing you want to see in everyone that you work with, that you, you know, not just work with, but, you know, in terms of students as well. I also think about the staff room environment, like how it's so hard when you're in a negative staff room environment to to be positive. It's it's really tricky. Um, and if we all kind of try and focus on the positives, not all the time, but when it's a situation that we should focus on the positive, then that's going to kind of buzz off everyone. If I if if you I mean, when we used to chat in the staff room, if you came in off a great lesson or a great meet or whatever like i'd be like oh yeah actually this went really well in my lesson and it kind of feeds into that whole positive and then we start talking about how do we do even better um rather than talking about that one student who had a bad day why don't we talk about that one student who had a great day yeah it's the staff room's a, a weird place isn't it because it's the only place where you can really vent in a school yeah um but you can't you don't want to be that person that always vents in the staff room. Um, and I guess if you've got better self-reflection, self-regulation, that there's going to be the odd occasion where you come to staff and go, I just need to get this off my chest and just scream and shout and shout into a pillow on the, one of the sofas or something like that. As opposed to being that person that comes in every day with a negative comment. Um, and that doesn't mean that you, you can't be negative. It just means that you there's a way of dealing with that and, and having that positive mindset. And I think reading Alistair's books will, will definitely help. I think I'll, I'll get my next one ordered straight away. Yeah. I'm going to play four side futsal tonight and I'm going to go with the mindset of I'm going to be brilliant. And therefore four aside, four aside, it's a very small hall. <laughs> <laughs> the classic four aside. That's, that's a new one on me. Six, uh, is it 16 years, 14 years in teaching? PE teaching, I've never heard of four aside. I'm going to be brilliant, Mike. I can feel it. Excellent. Good, Excellent. positive mindset. Well, it's it's nearly midnight here in Thailand, so I'm going to be a fantastic <laughs> sleeper now. What a way to wrap up the, the episode. Yeah, we'd love to know your thoughts on our chat there with Alistair um, and on chat on mindset. So feel free to tweet us at T and Teaching. That's let T and Teaching on Twitter and get involved in the conversation. Um, what an interesting evening for you, Mike. I don't know how you're going to go to sleep now. Um, no, I'm going to have to pigeonhole a lot of my thoughts and save them for the morning so I can sleep. Otherwise, my mind's going to be racing. Go for a nice run in the morning. You can work it all out then. Yeah. Right. Thanks very much for joining us today on Tea and Teaching. Uh, we look forward to speaking to you soon. <laughs>